Connor Christian, and you're listening to Two Faces Radio. I'm ready to. I'm ready to roll. You ready to do some radio here? Yeah, we call it radio, even though it's not live. Yeah. Um. All right. While we're recording, yes, we are. And uh, welcome back, everybody. Here we are, Two Faces Radio. We had a welcome back episode, but then. You know, well, no, no, no. Welcome, even if they heard that, it's welcome back from the last episode. That's true. I mean, just a mellow welcome back. Not a huge welcome back. This feels like, not that that wasn't a great, because that was a really entertaining podcast listening back to the it. Fat Matt's um, podcast. The Fat Matt's podcast. Hope you all but, enjoyed that. You know, what we what we really do is bring artists in and, you know, get artists to play and um, yeah, it's, do It's that good to thing. be back with some music, is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This feels like now we're really back in it. Well... As always, my name is Ira Malkin. That's that Brian McClenning over there. I am. You are. I am. And our very special guest today, a guy that we've been wanting to get in here for a while, because uh, a guy that's been talked about on almost every podcast <laughs> as an influence. Not even a joke, probably 10 podcasts. At least. Your name has come up. Um, Mr. Bill Sheffield, Atlanta's own legendary. Yeah. All right. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Um, I was thinking about it today on like an analogy. You know, there's all these like film directors that always say, "Oh, you know, I was influenced by, you know, Hitchcock," and they were right. all like in- influenced by right. Hitchcock. Well, yeah, we got Hitchcock. We've got Hitchcock here. <laughs> <laughs> a, a microcosm, Hitchcock, maybe. <laughs> right. Microcosm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, welcome, Bill. Thanks. Great yeah, to be it's here. Great to yeah. have you. I'm glad. Uh, glad we got you in here. And I'm excited because I, I, unlike Ira, a- have not been really. You know, I'm not in the blues scene. Let's put it that way. You, we did talk a little bit uh, about ton of honey, but we weren't really You're on the outer band. fringes. I'm on the outer fringes, so I don't always have the, um, you know, uh, I don't always get as close and meet a lot of the artists. You know, on the inside circle there, mm. and so I have not had a lot of run-ins with you, and have not seen you a whole bunch. But after hearing so many guys come in and talk about you and what an influence you've been. I'm really excited to Great. hear your stuff and, and get to know you here. Great. And Brian came in and said, wow, I didn't realize you were such a handsome man. <laughs> Ira, Ira loves to compliment our guests. <laughs> Funny, we've had one I girl like in here, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but every guy that comes in here, I don't had know. had more than one girl yeah. in here. Just, well, right, but not as a, uh, as a, main, as a main guest. Right, right, right. Uh, so... Uh, like I was saying, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Nate has been in here, Nate mm-hmm. uh, Nelson and Dave Roth and uh, uh, Stephen Bukerski has been in here. And, uh, yeah. you know, everybody said, well, I was really influenced by Bill Sheffield. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. And, and I said Nate did a – Nate performed a, a Sheffield tune. Oh, yeah, that's true. And um, See, did somebody else too? Is it Sea of Galilee? Is that the tune? Yeah, uh, the Road to Galilee. Road yeah. to Galilee. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's done really well for him. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, he's, it's actually got him in church singing. So really, yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I never thought I'd see that. No that great tune, though. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Well, that's that's where I become more of a blues fan. Is like the gospel R and B that mm. kind of stuff. That's more that what draws me in. Well, um, I've, I've gone through that gamut too. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've, I've been doing a, a reunion of the XLs band, which is a band more of an R and B type band that I okay. had back in the seventies. Uh, we played a lot of a lot of Al Green, yeah, and, and uh, Marvin Gaye, that type of stuff, mm, and yeah. traveled a lot. That was yeah. a t- the, t- the touring band. Um, um, well, that's one of those bands that I always hear about from yeah. other musicians. Right. You know? Well, right. you'll have to come out. We're playing yeah. at uh, sometime at uh, Zuffy's, I think. Oh, yeah. oh, sometime, nice. maybe before the first of the year. Okay. Great. I'm leaving in a week 
to go back to Europe for a month. I saw and, that on your schedule. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, when I get back, I should be staying pretty steady through the first of the year, and then I'll collapse for a month. Right. January is already yeah, well, after coming back. Period. Well, doing Europe, yeah, that's got to. Uh, yeah, it's got to be pretty tiring. this time too. It looks like I'm gigging all but about three nights of the whole month, so I'm staying wow. on it. And that's right. you kind of have to do that once you're over there. It costs a fortune to get there now. You know? Right, yeah, right, so, right. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep hitting it. Four shows a night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, I do them. I do them yeah. if that's what it takes. With the tip jar. Yeah. That's right. In whatever language you need well, to now, say on the first. Yeah. I have to say now, that tip jar thing is a more American thing. Is oh, I really? don't play yeah. for tips over there. Okay. I play for attendance. Well, yeah, okay. And that's one of the things I love about it. Well, let me ask you this. Just. Because, you know, we do try and get to music pretty quickly. But I am curious, because we've had a couple artists in here who've been over to Europe. Mm -hmm. What's your perception of the fans over there for the American... Because you do authentic American music, I feel. You know, blues and that whole thing. They adore it, and they're attentive to it. They don't consider themselves to be part of the show. Uh, Americans consider themselves to be part of the show. Uh, uh, Europeans, and I say Europeans because it's as true in France and Belgium, the other places I've been, they're there to to watch you perform for them and to study it. Mm -hmm. And they'll listen to the song until the music decays to absolutely nothing, and then they'll go apeshit. Right. right. Whereas here, (laughs) they're applauding through the the last verse. And and they're trying to talk up some chick, and they're ordering beers, and they're totally different agenda. Cold shot. (laughs) Cold shot. Totally different plan of attack over there. That's interesting to say that. I could I could see that too. I mean, I've always only been overseas once, and I did happen to perform while I was there as a fluke thing. And yeah, that does make a lot of sense. It's almost that Eddie's attic mentality, right? Yeah. Only it's not enforced. You know, they just naturally feel that way about it. Yeah. I mean, they feel like that's what they're there for. With uh, Eddie's, you got to set the rules. All right, this is our rule for this room. Unlike any other place you go, (laughs) shut up. I appreciate his efforts along those lines, too. It's nice to play in a quiet room, but at the same time, I think it's the artist's responsibility to get that kind of attention. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, I honestly do. Yeah. I, th- I think he, he needs, he or she needs to be putting to something down that, that right. really yeah. commands that kind of attention because right. these people are paying a lot of money to get in there. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think it's a fifty-fifty thing. Well, I, and I think that's, I think that's part of it though too. Like, you know, when you go to a Northside Tavern, you pay five bucks and walk in. Well, I don't know what it is now, but ten, at least five. it's yeah. ten. But uh, <laughs> well, and ten bucks is still reasonable for like when you think full night's sure, music, absolutely. you know, three sets. Um, you know, you walk over there and you're. It's it's a whole you know pool tables and the atmosphere and everything. Right, you kind of see where it's a little bit different when you go to a place where people are coming in paying twenty bucks. I think you do tend to get the audience coming in and they are ready to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that's listen, different. I mean, you know? I wouldn't even call Northside a venue. I mean, right. it's a tavern. It's a tavern. Yeah. You know what I mean? That happens to have it's music. It's a roadhouse. Yeah, it's a roadhouse. It actually is a roadhouse. Right. It, it really is. Yeah. Well, we'll get is. into talking about Northside later because you were oh per- yes. pretty much the first. You were the first artist to start performing right? there. Right? I, I, yes, as or far as I them. know, I, yeah. unless the fellow that owned it before Ellen's dad bought it had a band, and I don't think they ever did. Right, we, I was in the very first band that played there. Because I mean, we were so well. I don't, don't want to say naive, but you know, when Mudcat was in here, I was yeah. like, "Weren't you the first guy? You know, didn't you start getting music?" Yeah, we thought, like, "No, Bill Sheffield was playing back there in the seventies. You know, we're well, like, well, I, I will say this though: music never worked in there until Danny started doing it. Oh, really? Danny made it happen. Uh, we played, and uh, the reason 
reason we played is because we were playing a place called Rayleigh's The Blue Lantern over on Ponce de Leon, and Ellen had started coming over to see us play, and her dad was not having her hang around in Rayleigh's The Blue Lantern. Uh, <laughs> it just yeah. wasn't the kind of place you wanted your daughter to be. So he basically <laughs> got that bar started yeah. and hired our band to play there so she wouldn't go over on Ponce de Leon. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've heard that before this, from Ellen. This, this story I get from her. So I yeah, yeah. This true. is what we have to look forward to. We now have to – we each have a daughter now. Well, you so. know what that oh, means? These yeah. are the things we have to look forward to. We're going to have to buy a bar to keep our daughters. I love it. All right, beautiful. Two Faces <laughs> Two Faces <bar>. Tavern. <laughs> Two Faces Tavern. You heard it here first, Here folks. we go. You yeah. got yourself 18 years of chaos. Oh, shit. That's Get true. used to it. I know. <laughs> All right, so you guys want to hear some music? Or what? I definitely do. Yeah. You want to play some music? Yeah, yeah, I do. I want to play the only thing that uh, I wrote that Sean recorded oh yeah awesome we had talked a lot about uh doing some songs and he liked my stuff he was yeah. always very complimentary lovely sure. man and uh this stuff hasn't been released i hope it will get released because his version of the song is just lovely but i'll do my version of it for you
do it the European way. Oh, yeah. Wait yeah. till that last <laughs> note disappears. <laughs> <laughs> Brian gave me that. Don't clap yet. Not yet. Don't do it. We're, we are American. Don't do it. We, we should have done it the American way. That's true. You're right. Very nice. It's a perfect yeah, it's song beautiful. for me to sing for Sean. It really still is. still stays on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought when that first line came out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not it's, a day goes by that I don't you know think about him either. That's yeah. just heartbreaking. It is, it, but you know more. You know how many years has it been now? Almost three years, or three years, or almost I, three, I think. Next year it'll be three. Well, it was in Wait. April, right? Yeah, it was in, it April, was in April. But wasn't that just two years this past April? It was. So it'll okay. be three years. But now I'm starting to th- think more of the the good memories and stuff. You know, and, right? And, and forget about know, it. Yeah. When I hear when his, you know tunes of his come up in uh, you know my iPod and stuff, it's like mm-hmm. I used to. For a while, for I a long listen. time, I couldn't listen. I couldn't to listen to him. We talked. Yeah. We it. talked about that his album, uh, yeah. uh, the the last album there, and I told Ira. I remember one day I was like, I, you know, I went to go put it on because I, and I, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I either. just couldn't listen yeah, to I it. I wasn't yeah. ready. I, I had the compilation of a bunch of stuff they gave me, and I still haven't listened to it yet. Right. But, but I, I've seen some videos posted of yeah. some live stuff, some Europe stuff, and and I actually sat there and watched it, yeah. and it was so. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking that he's it gone, is. but just how far it went in such a short time. Such a short yeah. time. And, <sighs> and just amazing performance. Right. I mean, I never saw him that he wasn't throwing 112% right. out in yeah. front of him. I, and, and you could watch him play the same tunes, you know, every day. And there'd be and, something else to find. Well, and, and yeah. you wouldn't get bored, yeah. you know. No, it, it was incredible, yeah. yeah. I mean, he comes up almost every podcast as well, yeah. you know, almost and as much as you it. do. Couldn't avoid it. Yeah. Um, first time I saw him, I, he must have been 16, maybe. Mm-hmm. When yeah. I first saw him, wasn't singing yeah. at all, just playing guitar. And at that yeah. point, I said, that's the best blues guitar player uh-huh. in Atlanta, right, right there. Right. Nobody's even close. Right. And you know what the funny thing is? And I've said this. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. I probably have. But his guitar playing was so good. To give you an idea <laughs> is if he never played a note and you went to go see him, you know, perform and he just sang, you would walk out and you would say, damn, that kid can sing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how good his guitar playing is because nobody talks about yeah. the singing. Well, that's what happened to me because the first four years that I saw him, he didn't sing a note. And then I missed right. a year, came back, and he was singing. And I was like, oh, my Holy God. Shit. <laughs> what happened to this kid? <laughs> and to me, his stylistically, it was kind of funny for me. I, my reference, he almost sounded more to me like a an old female blues singer there was something about like the the way his voice sort of um you know just kind of reverberated the tone, yeah. yeah the tone and all that stuff and just that style it was just really interesting you know yeah. the way he his voice blended with the with the way that he played and um yeah incredible the Huge last thing voice. i said to him is i love you man and he said i love you too man well really? there you go yeah can't hope for more. No, yeah, yeah. No. I I just leave that like that. I was worried about. Just be happy him. with that. Were you? Yeah, him. yeah. I genuinely was because he was saying I'd like to get out from in front. I'd like to get a gig playing guitar for somebody for a while. I and mean, you, you could you see said, what was wearing on him going so hard for so off, long yeah. and for so little return. Yeah, oftentimes. Right, and starting so young, you know, just right yeah. at, right out there on the road. And you know, I've never been on the road. Right. But, you know, I've done a few gigs out of town where you do two nights in a row. And even that, it's like the next day just tooling around during the day waiting for that next gig. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I could see how I'd go crazy too, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, just. Yeah, it wears it wears on you for sure. Yeah. Or you'd end up throwing up in a parking lot. Yeah, I did that once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was pretty rock and roll. <laughs> Who held your hair back? <laughs> <laughs> it was long at the time. <laughs> Actually, maybe maybe Mark didn't hold a, my hair. That was back a good for moment. Me. That was yeah. a good moment. Delessio. We talk about him a lot. Oh yeah, how's he doing? He's all right. He's you up know, in DC. Yeah, yeah, I knew he moved up there. Is he playing a bunch? Uh, <laughs> I don't think he plays right no, now. He, he stopped for a while, and then I bet he married good. He just, he just married. married. <laughs> well, and we just both of us just missed his wedding because yeah. we were in the hospital with our wives. Well, just there about. you go. I know. <laughs> I think it was bad. The guy plans his wedding right yeah. on our daughter's due dates. You know? Yeah, right. It's like, eh, what are you going to do? Two weeks after. Yeah. Oh well. Crazy. So we didn't see it, but we know what happened. Yeah. But yeah, he's we've playing. Seen pictures. A, he's playing a little bit again up there. I think Is he's he? hitting some Good. open jams and stuff. Good. Yeah, but we're not talking about the D-Man. We're not talking about the D-Man. So what should we do? Should we just talk about? You want to talk about songwriting? Or you want to just go go into history? Well, you know, I'd I'd love to go into history because yeah. I, I noticed my my best. Well, we got a lot of history to go. Yeah, there's into. a lot of history. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love the uh, I like your timeline. It's great. Ira was we were talking about the website earlier, and he was saying, "Oh, the timeline's great because right. it's just a great way to sort of go through and yeah. get some good solid information." Yeah, for everybody that's listening, go to Bill's website. It's just Bill Sheffield. Bill Sheffield. Which we'll have yeah. on the our homepage. Yeah, but the the bio is there, you know, which is good. Yeah, but the best thing to you know, you go a few notches over from bio and it says timeline. Yeah. Just click on that and you'll be fascinated. <laughs> and I just love the way that I, I was expecting to see like, a, you know, a timeline where like, you know, this, this, and this happens. But I like how it was, it was a uh, first person also. It was like, yeah. I am born. At, you know. <laughs> Which by the way, happy birthday is coming up it is in, coming in a few up, days. Yeah. yeah. The, the 12th. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. that. Gonna be yeah, Tuesday? I'll be flying that day. <laughs> um, I mean, literally flying. That's flying. when I leave for Europe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, probably both. Now that you I think? think? Yeah. <laughs> do you, well, the first thing that popped out to me, you know, I, I teach elementary school, and one thing we love to do is make connections with our books. We like to connect to things. But I noticed your um, the Beatles appearance oh, on Ed Sullivan. And get it. <laughs> just the funny thing about that, it was, you know, my folks were actually with another couple – they were in New York City in a hotel next to the Ed Sullivan Theater the day that they performed. Wow. And they could hear, you know, while they were, I don't know, getting ready or whatever. Because, you know, they taped those shows earlier in the day, I think. Mm-hmm. And they, they could hear the crowd noise coming yeah. through yeah. every time they went on. Yeah. yeah. So, anyhow. That's um, your connection? That's my connection. Because I always love that story, you know, like, right. thinking, like, man, like, be, imagine just being right there it's, next door to or. Seeing it happen. I was 11 years old. I mean, yeah. you see that on TV, and, yeah. and you would be stupid not to want to do that. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, right. Hey, that looks right. like something I'd want to spend my life doing. Well, and plus you hear that story from so many musicians, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. so many established musicians that yeah. they say, you know, like I remember Robert Cray saying it, yeah. you know, and, and all these people. Like, it would have been Elvis if I had been a little older. Oh, yeah. You know, if I'd been born a little sooner. Because Elvis would have had probably the same impact. But the Beatles, that was even bigger. I mean, it was really bigger. Because there were more of us by then. You know, the the, the, the baby boomers were really kicking. Grabbing on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or were ready for it. On what does it? It's not even the the quality of the music. It was, you heard all those young ladies screaming. Yeah. And that was it. That's it. (laughs) Well, I guess that's what I need to do. (laughs) I think I need to do that. And then I spent the next 45 years finding out why you shouldn't necessarily try and do that. Right. I mean, it's a hard. It's a hard road. It's, it's one of those things where you see it and you think, "What don't I like about this?" You know, whole scenario yeah, here. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's because yeah. it's just that. Well, an interesting story about that is I, I've read some bi- biographies and autobiographical stuff by, about the Beatles, and a lot of those stadium shows they couldn't see the audience at all from where yeah. they were. They were so far away, yeah. and the lights were there, but what they could see were a bunch of retarded kids in lawn chairs 
out really? on the front because they would bring they would these kids out to see the Beatles right. and they wow. just wheel them in. So yeah. they basically played their shows to a, a bunch of troubled or mentally challenged. Yeah. Mental, yeah. Mentally challenged. What is the correct yeah. word? I'm not sure how you went. Yeah, mentally matter. challenged folks. It's, yeah. That's interesting. And yeah. That's, Very that's strange. What they, yeah. <laughs> that's what they said? That's what they said. Wow. Yeah. The funny thing is, if they could see everybody else, they probably couldn't tell the difference between any of those people. At the, you know, hear right. anything the challenged and unchallenged at that time because everybody goes so nuts. You know, yeah, couldn't right. hear anything but people screaming. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't play. All you could do is stand up there and bang and hope right. for the yeah. best. You can imagine what it would be like. You know, no PA really to speak of, no monitor system or anything. You're just standing there playing. Right. I remember uh, that reminds me of, and I haven't thought about this in you know years and years. But did you ever read um, Electric Kool Aid Acid Test? Oh yeah, yeah. It's been a while. There was a there was a point in the book where they all went to see the Beatles, and you know they were saying how they were sitting up like way up way up at the top of the stadium and looking down, and they could see the band. And every time one of the four or, or one of the three would walk to the front of the stage, right. there'd be like this wave through mm-hmm. the crowd right in front of that person. You know, if Lennon stepped up, yeah. there'd just be this huge wave going through the crowd right yeah, where yeah. he was. You know, and they could see that whole thing. Incredible, you know? amazing. God. Amazing. And poor Pete Best, right? Yeah. You know, know. Pete Best played three times more gigs with the Beatles than than Ringo. Than Ringo did? But by the time Ringo was doing it, it was all stadiums. They did like... 12 gigs and that was it. Hey, you got right. I mean, to choose your drummers. Yeah, they didn't even play that much, you <laughs> yeah. know, really right. once they once they got big. It's so funny how yeah. different things were back then. Yeah, but yeah. you know how hard it is to find a good drummer. Right? That's true. <laughs> and he and he <laughs> is a good drummer. Business. You know, a lot of people don't think he was particularly good, but Ringo was a pocket drummer, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. He was a pocket yeah. rocket. He was the best guy in Liverpool, that's right. for sure. He wouldn't have got that gig. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Well, no, people he, people don't realize that they need to respect the pocket, you know. Yeah, the pockets the guys like us do. Yeah. Well, drummers are one of those things you know like the less you notice them yep. the, the better they exactly. are bass know. the same way that you should ba- never notice exactly. the bass unless it stops the, the whole rhythm section for that matter yeah. you know i mean right. i feel like that way for you know mostly i do rhythm and i feel the same way like we should be yeah. all in tune there and unnoticed and don't poke your lead singer in the back with the drum never do voice. that no that's <laughs> not good god i can i can only imagine that's one thing i'd what? love to try and carve a little niche out for i mean with the years you've played and being on the road and all that stuff and and different types of you know bands mm-hmm. um you know some of the stories <laughs> you must have i can only imagine well there's a bunch of them <laughs> let me see if i can remember any of them. <laughs> start talking about playing with muddy waters i'm sure you know a plethora well of that was exciting up. playing opening for muddy that was for me that was opening for god at that time i mean sure. muddy was the man i mean because i that would you be know like i too. said I, I was into the beatles you know that, yeah. i was a kid and i grew and i learned about music and i discovered paul butterfield mm-hmm, and then right. all of a sudden i said where did that come from look he's right. got black guys in his band when did that start right, right. <laughs> i didn't even see a black guy till i was 12 years old 14 yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah they they weren't around in my neighborhood. Wow. <laughs> so, a guy like Butterfield, you know, comes yeah, up. Yeah, and, and really cracked the door. And, yeah. and then you go back and you find Robert Johnson and then all bets are off. Right. <laughs> you know, you're going to study this right. stuff because yeah. it's obviously very powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. Guys like us, you know, growing up in the late 70s and 80s, we wouldn't think twice really about that, you know, about that type of stuff. But well, I guess Butterfield back in the late 60s. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, I'm sure Because it was. that was access to it. Because that stuff was not as easy to find back then as it is now. Right. I mean, there weren't CD compilations, as you right. know. I, yeah. mean, I mean, you had to go to some interesting parts of town to, to find, find some those of those records. records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm jumping the gun. I do want to get into that stuff, obviously. Yeah. That, you know, but, uh, what do you I got guess, first? I don't know. Um, well, I guess we could start with the Beatles. And then it, you, were, you always lived – where did you grow up? 
south side of Atlanta, Bouldercrest Drive, about a mile south of where the Earl is down there in, in East Atlanta. Oh, okay, well, okay. Yeah. so a native guy. Yeah. Um, you know, had, I guess, you know, normal childhood down, down here and... Down here in Atlanta, got it. You know, got into music the old, the old fashioned way. Just picked it up and demanded went. a guitar for Christmas and got it. Yeah, one of the Sears Silvertone, Silvertone <laughs> case amplifier. You know the yeah. one I mean. That was what I started on. And the guy that I took lessons from for about three weeks had a D'Angelico. Yeah, which at that time was about a sixty-five thousand dollar guitar. Oh my no god! No telling what it's worth now. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's one of those jazz guitars, you know, yeah. that's just coveted by all the guys. And I had my little silver tone, and we we jammed for about a week, and then I finally gave up on the lesson part of it. I said, "I'll find my way." Figure it yeah. out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. He wanted me to. He wanted me to be a strummer. Okay. You know, he's a jazz head. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. Guitar George knows all the chords. Right, right, right. You don't want to make it cry or sing. I wanted to make it cry and sing. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Is what mm-hmm. happened. So yeah, I, too technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Side, yeah. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, you discover the blues and you start thinking more in visceral terms about music. You know, you're not thinking of it in terms of bars and structure. You're thinking right. of it in terms of emotion and content yeah, and yeah, that sort of definitely. thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you put, away, put, you. The, put away the theory and just feel yeah, it. Huh? Yeah, just feel it, you know, and find your way. Find that's, what feels right. See, that's where Brian, you get Don't into, worry about it. That's true. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, that's where you get into the whole, you know, place of like, there's no wrong notes. Just repeat it, and then it's, yeah, it's jazz. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, jazz. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, I was just going to say something off of, uh, oh, I was going to say, so you, you know, you started there with the Beatles, and then I noticed uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Reed. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my Jimmy. dad loved Jimmy Reed. Yeah, yeah. and and so you're getting ju- into music and starting to play. But when was that moment that? Because there's that difference between like I feel like so many guys, especially um, when they're young, you know, that music hits them and it's connected to so many memories and emotions, and you get really into it. I've got so many guys, friends, we're all into music, but only some of us wanted to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So when was that moment for you when you were like, I've got to do this? I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a moment, but I was kind of isolated in my own little world as a lad, <laughs> you okay. know, a little bit troubled and, and didn't interact well with folks. But once I learned to play guitar well enough, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the upperclassmen and people were coming around because yeah. we'd get together and they could sing songs that they heard on the radio because right. I could figure them out on guitar. And all of a sudden yeah. I was popular yeah. Oh, yeah. or okay. something. All right. And and I would say that that was when... <laughs> you were necessary. Yeah, it was necessary. <laughs> I, and, and, you know, you got to understand it. In my high school, there were four guys that played guitar. Yeah, okay. you know Good. it wasn't like it is now. Everybody didn't have a Stratocaster. Right. It was right. you know if you had a guitar, you know it was a major commitment. It was a lower middle class right. family, you know that's right. that's a lot of money. And so, unfor- yeah. unfortunately, the only thing people are doing nowadays is playing Guitar Hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! I don't know though. I mean, I know some guys who have like better guitar collections than me and can't barely play a note. Well, of course, that's always going to guitar happen. owners. You yeah, call guitar them. owners. <laughs> you a player or an owner? Right. Yeah, so, so what, cool. what were so you playing it, at the time? I mean, it was like Elvis and, you know, that type oh, of stuff? It was, no, it was early R&B. You know, oh, okay. what was big during that time would, would have been the Temptations and that mm. kind of stuff, learning, I know nice, you want to yeah. leave me, yeah, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. It, and we had what we called soul sessions, you know. Oh, yeah? I don't know if they were getting alcohol or not. I didn't drink, but yeah. they seemed like these high school kids would get high. And right. We, you know, it was just a party. You know, we had a good time, and I was the guitar player. It was right. fun. So, this is, so, so it was kind of a thing that just... Over that period of time, yeah. you just kind of felt yeah. so good about yourself yeah. 
and then start coupling up with other musicians, and we started a band, and you know, then another band after that, and another after that. You know yeah. how that goes. Yeah. Now, were you uh, always just kind of wanting to do the blues thing, or were you just playing soul? The blues or? thing kicked in later. You okay. know, by the time I was about seventeen, you know, sixteen, seventeen. Like I said, Paul Butterfield, John yeah. Mayall. I began to say, well, this is coming from a different place than the Beatles, specifically, right. or anything else. And and I got interested, discovered, and it was int- it was. It was Robert Johnson or, or Blind Willie Johnson. Yeah. Blind Willie Johnson was the gospel guy. Never played a note of blues. Right. He, they're about the same number of recorded tracks. And I only tracks knew the other Blind Willie. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and Robert Johnson was the opposite. Sold his soul to the devil or whatever that nonsense <laughs> right. is. But it, it was between those two to me. I mean, that was like the pull of good and evil, the yin and yang of it. And I got really obsessed with it and still am. Yeah. Both of those two men. Right. Well, I was huh. wondering, though, you know, obviously the Almonds were around at the time. Yeah. Probably. Saw them in the park, man. You know, Blew pl- me away. Right. Playing all the, you know, the Piedmont Park. The T-Bone yeah. Walker stuff. And they were playing, you know, all the, all, all the old blues oh, stuff. Oh, they were playing. They were playing stuff from their first album when the, the first right. time that I saw them. And it was the strongest live performance I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah. By, up to that time. Yeah, so, I've heard wow. about those those free concerts at Piedmont Park. Oh, Could my. you imagine? God. Yeah, they just set them up on a flatbed truck. Right. Yeah. Out there. It was amazing. It's almost like how the Crows kind of did that, didn't they? Didn't they, they play the Pot Fest? They did or the Pot Festival, yeah, yeah. They came back and did the Pot Festival, but just kind of a tribute yeah. to to that whole thing. To those times, maybe, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there was probably just as much pot going on <laughs> being smoked. Or, That's right. And that was the whole point of it for this that one. That was the whole point of it, yeah. So you so, so what so you started playing venues around town I guess with bands that you yeah. put together and this was out of high school or I was uh, still in high school uh, and I would play there was a place called the Spot uh, two or three others and I can't remember them you know it was yeah. non drinking you know teenage yeah. type places hullabaloo rec rooms yeah and we would start uh, I had a little four piece band and we'd start playing what was that band called I think. Uh, did you just like rent Can't these remember. places out, or no, no? These were venues, venues, you okay. know, for kids, for teenagers. Okay. You know, they'd they'd watch these shows, these dance shows on Saturday morning. Uh, and, you know, they'd go out to want to go to a teen club and dance. It was where they met, practice you know? their hokey pokey. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> or the frug or whatever the hell else they were doing. <laughs> whatever at the crazy time. stuff those kids yeah. were doing. So what was this? So okay, I guess you're kind of. I guess that kind of lets me know. <laughs> what? I was going to say kind of like what was the scene at that time? What was the big thing? I guess it was. Bands, bands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, after the Beatles, the it was arm. all bands. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. A- at least in in that market. Yeah, and uh, then growing out of that and moving into the uh, nightclub business, right. you know, mm-hmm. moved to coffee shops. Kind okay. of uh, down. You know, there was a hippie thing here in Atlanta. I don't know if you knew about this, but it, next to San Francisco, there oh, was yeah. a colony, or they called them a colony. They think of them as ants, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on any Friday or the Saturday night. Peachtree Street between 10th and 14th was just a mob. I right. mean, it was a mob uh-huh. scene. And the street, you you know, it'd take two hours to get down it because everybody wanted to look at the hippies, right? right? So it was a big <laughs> deal. And there were several little clubs. There was the Bottom of the Barrel, yeah. the 12th Gate Coffee House, and, you and know, that was the hippie then, days. And then, uh, and like the Fox Theater's right there. At yeah. The, they weren't doing music back then, though. Okay. There was still a just, movie theater just real, at that just point. The real, just uh, the Yeah, they, they hadn't right even now. started refurbishing that place yet. Okay. It was really pretty run down at that time. Yeah, that must have okay. been great down here. 
for all that. Yeah, well, you know, there was a vibrant, you know, Hampton yeah. Grease Band. They were kind of, you know, they right. were on that scene. Jimmy Buffett. I wouldn't even know who he was if he hadn't gotten so big. He was just right. that guy in some flip flops, <laughs> <laughs> played at the bottom of the barrel all right. the time. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett. And he was doing that here. Oh yeah, yeah. He was so around just, town a lot. A lot of his wow. band members came out of the Atlanta music scene. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Can you? Well, this is not to put you on the spot. Can you think of anybody from back in those days that really blew you away? That maybe never got anywhere. That uh, you know, you kind of thought, those "Wow." Days, there was a guy named uh, Will Boulware. He had a band called Booger Band. <laughs> it was a two-piece band, a Hammond organ and drums. Yeah. Wow. And he was a badass singer and keyboard player. And I, he moved to the West Coast. I know. I could probably find him i haven't applied myself but he always blew me away right wow. he was just a just monstrous and i was thinking god keyboard and, and drums right <laughs> how basic can you get it's like the uh, old school white stripes yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. it's very similar to that and then they had a guy ted trombetta who played guitar with him periodically mm-hmm. and that added to it didn't subtract yeah. at all and so in answer to your question, if I said one thing, and of course, Spencer, Spencer Kirkpatrick, there, his band, the Atlanta Vibrations, opened for the Beatles when they played Whoa. here. Oh, no yeah. And I, I played a couple of gigs with him recently. He lives oh, up really? near me, up near Lake Alto. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Man. Uh, now this is a, to get him on the podcast. Oh, yeah, you should. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's one of the best guitarists. It's either him or Glenn Phillips. Probably yeah. are the best guitarists around Atlanta, for, in my estimation. I've heard his name before, too, but I don't know him. Uh, oh, you should check yeah. out Glenn. He's yeah. Jeff Beck, except with chops. <laughs> 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 He's, he really is something special, yeah. and nobody can play like him. I mean, yeah. and, and wouldn't want to, really. Right. You know what I mean? I Somebody mean, it's was his just own talking thing. about him the other night. Yeah. Yeah, uh, check him out. I haven't even heard that name. That's I'll Well, he was the guitarist out. for Hampton Grease Band okay. back well, in the early days when Bruce Hampton was just starting. And you uh, were just that that was my oh, next question. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't wait to ask you about when I read on your uh, bio, but this was probably around the same time, but is this when you moved in with uh with Colonel Bruce? Yeah. Well, he Colonel wasn't Colonel Bruce, Bruce back well, then. Well, with Bruce Hampton. <laughs> Yeah, that was a funny time. I, I, uh, Brucey? Yeah. Well, was he already doing the Hampton Grease Band yeah. at the time? Yeah, he had the Hampton Grease Band, and I had a band called the East Side Blues Band. And yeah. We played a bunch of blues gigs around town and coffee shops, same places they played, yeah. basically. You know, they were kind of a, a real um, eccentric jazz sort That's of thing. That's a shock. I can imagine. Shock. I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine how that would be eccentric. Well, it was Captain yeah. Beefheart for Bruce. It was always Captain Beefheart. Okay. That was his big initial yeah, yeah. influence, I think, and it just stuck. That's it. Yeah. He's probably like a big Frank Zappa guy, too. Yeah. You know? Well, like he's on. They were on one of those early Frank Zappa albums. They oh, really? In New oh, York. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they were in the studio. Right. I don't know if any of them got to play anything. But they, <laughs> they got to be friendly with right. Frank. Well, Bruce was one of the guys that, well, first of all, you know, when I was going to college, Aquarium Rescue Unit was was happening. You know, mm-hmm. that, he, that he was oh, yeah. fronting that band. And, you know, that first record they did is still one of my favorite yeah. albums. You know, I love it. Um, Madness. Absolute madness. But it was. But, but musical brilliance. Yeah. I mean, I mean but it was even, always great. But his plans. later albums got even wackier. Oh, yeah. You know, th- that first album was pretty much straight up rock and blues tunes yeah. that were just with incredible musicians, you know. Going so kind of that's la- after late Bronze Age. Isn't it kind of like maybe. creating that jam, that jam band kind of scene at that time? Or maybe that's a little bit later. Yeah. There's always oh, been jam bands. Oh, I think bands, it, precursed, yeah. it precursed a lot of the jam band stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it may not have created it, but it certainly predated it. Yeah. Because they're yeah. doing the same thing yeah. 10 years before. Right. right. Well, but they were one of the first bands on the Further Festival, so yeah. You're, right. You're right. Yeah, and, I'm not, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. Bands were, I mean, the Allman Brothers and those yeah. bands were all jamming out for a while, but yeah. 
that kind of jam band right. thing. I know, told Bruce one time thing. that he was way ahead of his time, and it really pissed him off. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to he, be behind. I the mean, side. not really, but he took it as an insult. <laughs> really? He didn't get it. <laughs> what the you hell is to, that supposed to mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I mean, so, so you like, two guys are both play, you you two guys are both doing your. Ba- I'm sorry, but no, no. I was going to say like, um, were you? Were you guys both real successful in town? Were you like both big His names band in did town? better than mine. Okay. We were sort of pigeonholed as the blues thing, and we right. got the blues gigs. But his band did better. They opened bigger shows. They opened for Three Dog Night and played their tunes. Really? <laughs> Over in Alabama. <laughs> That's People awesome. were throwing stuff at them. <laughs> that is <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> they play Mama Told Me? Uh, yeah, they, I, yeah. My, I wasn't there, but yeah, this yeah. is the story, and I know it's true. I mean, it's exactly what they would do is learn enough of them and Bruce sing them. And, right. and you know, one is the loneliest number. You know, I can just hear it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Didn't he used to play a, was it a chazoid? Is that what it's called? Yeah, he had all kind of crazy stuff yeah, yeah. made so, mu- into musical instruments. That's when I first saw him. He was playing a chazoid, you know, this big guy playing this little <laughs> guitar. <laughs> Have you ever seen that little, mo- well, I don't want to get too far into him, but there's a kooky little movie thing that he did with uh, the is bass it, player from Fish. Is it Outformation or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. I never saw it. It's crazy. He was always interested in video. He was yeah. always saying he was going to do a movie. Outside looking out, he would yeah, yeah. call it. <laughs> Somebody told me like he he was Outside he was doing almost out. like a faux instruction guitar yes. instructional video, yes. and it's crazy. And all, and what he did was he he lined up his tuning pegs so they were yes. all straight. And, yes, and it was totally out of tune. But he was like, "This is what you do." Yeah, <laughs> it's cr- it's crazy. And the bass player from Fish is a part of it. And he like yeah. falls asleep during a week. So it's. It's kooky. I taught him. He'd never played poker before. I taught yeah. him the, the poker hands at one point. Yeah. And for uh, almost a year, he was obsessed with seven-card stud. I mean, he would sit and deal out hands and see if he could pick ahead of time which one was going to win. Right. And, you know, he, he really does have an amazing ability to – I mean, he could, he'll call your birth sign in two tries, yeah. usually wow. on the first one. Wow. He's, he has an amazing sense about some things. No question. He does. I've noticed that. Incredible. Yeah. Well, I know you're an opal. I mean, you're a Libra. I'm a Libra, yeah. 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 It's funny, we were talking about that right before you walked in. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. Weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't here yet. Balance, man. Yeah. It's about balance. It's all, we it's were talking about, about symmetry. Yes. Yeah. It's difficult for us. Is it? Yes, it's yeah. a hard life, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard knock life. Is it easy for you? <laughs> it's not easy, but it's a necessity. Yes. Yeah. Having, yeah. That, having balance and yeah. symmetry. So, I mean, wow. I, I can only imagine. I mean, I just love hearing about... Those early days, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, I hate to knock these days because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of good stuff, but mm-hmm. it just, I don't feel like there's these little things like, you know, local bands can get that same. It just seems so hard to get well, that. Well, it's a different time. You know, back in those days, if you had a band and your drummer went and played with somebody else, everybody got real pissy about it. Oh, yeah. right. I mean, it was more like a marriage. Yeah. I mean, you had a band. Once you came up with a band name, your right. responsibility was to that band. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's just not the case That's how we always felt. I mean, you know, I think... But you're rare in that sense. Yeah. Most of these guys are out there for what gig pays the most right. on well, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. In our scene, our yeah. Guns, yeah. You know. yeah. And, and it, it was different in that way. And it was nicer in that way. The music was better for that reason, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I bet it was. Because yeah. you know what takes the place of rehearsal in modern music? Blues. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the truth. 
And you know the, uh, the, the lesson that we've talked about before that Tinsley always taught us. If you want to break up a band, you take a band photo. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> take a band photo, you're shot. Somebody's right. leaving. You know, I lived with him for a while. I was about well. to say, I, yeah. I figured you and Tinsley kind of ran around oh, together. Oh, yeah, yeah. We played the same joints. It was a different era. This was more like in the 70s. Didn't, yeah. didn't Later you, in the 70s. Didn't you have a place in Little Five, like an apartment or something? It was over in Decatur, actually, Decatur. near Agnes Scott College. So I remember talking to Tinsley way back, and yeah. he was talking about him hanging out with you. Yeah. We lived, he, it was sort of a dupe. One of those houses has been split into two apartments, basically. Like and the XLs band lived there intensely. Lived in one, right. of, one of them. You know, it's like four or five guys living there, two bathrooms. You right. know that kind of thing. <laughs> and then it, I think he was telling. I think the reason he brought it up is because like Stevie Ray used to come through and hang out with you oh, guys right. when he yeah, would come we, through town. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. I do remember hearing those stories. Yeah. 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 He opened for me one time with the Cool Breeze band. Earlier than that, the first time he'd ever been out of Texas, I believe he was still really? in his teens, and he was. God, he was badass. I had two guitar players in the band at the time, and both of them were green. <laughs> yeah, after but, and it. they were good guitar players. Did you know players who he too. was at the time? And when well, he it? didn't sing a note at that time. Oh. He was when he started out. He was he all guitar. Sing, yeah. He was all yeah. about guitar. And and he had uh, what's her name, uh, Luann Barton, Leanne, Luann Barton okay. singing in his band. Okay. she never even made the stage. Really? Yeah, but he sat up there and played for 45 minutes, and I mean just blistered. Right. Like a 20-minute jam off of a basic blues pattern. Right. You know, he was just practicing. Well, how, <laughs> is what he was yeah. doing, basically. He was practicing. But how big was Jimmy at the time? I mean, the, the Thunderbirds. The T-Birds came through first. That's how I knew there was a Stevie. Right. They played at a place called Rose's Cantina down there on Spring Street, right yeah. there near where the varsity is. So I figured they were doing pretty well, and I guess was Stevie just kind of... Defined well. <laughs> they were on the road. I mean, they right. were yeah, rough traveling back then. It was, it, you know, they got a little bit bigger later, but, but that's another thing about the blues is it has a concrete ceiling. Oh, yeah. B.B. Yeah. King, is, King right. is the only millionaire blues man right. <laughs> that ever has been and probably ever will right. be. Yeah, there is like that threshold. You know, it's yeah. like you're doing what Tinsley's doing now, you know, or, or you know, even you or, yeah. or uh, and then there was like. But you got to work at it. I mean, you're workers. But like yeah. that, that next tier, I guess, would be like the Susan Tedeschi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, even though she's not, you know, doing blues, but it was kind of right. like. You get That's to a place thing. like the T-Birds were the best blues band I ever heard still. Yeah. I mean, blues band. I mean, typically blues was always about a guy right. with his band. Right. But the Thunder – and I, I guess you would argue that um, the Thunderbirds were maybe the second blues band, the first one with Canned Heat. Yeah. You know, a band, that balanced a band, band yeah. dedicated to playing blues. The Thunderbirds were the best I ever heard still to this day. Right. The first four-piece band with Buck on drums. Mm -hmm. And I um, can't remember the bass player's name, but he was fantastic. Best blues bass player I ever heard. Keith really? Ferguson. Stevie hmm. always, I mean, said his I read his, you know, biography, and he... he just worship Jimmy, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, they played so differently. Yeah, well, Jimmy's it, really a blues player. Stevie's yeah, a rock, player. a rocker. Yeah. yeah. But what made Stevie rich was the singing. Yeah. Yeah. Stevie is a badass singer. He and was funny, really was good, and I was yeah. shocked when he. Fr I tried to get the gig after after the XL's band split up. I got in touch, and by that time, he had started singing. He had taken his course. He was. He knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It was inevitable because he was so good on guitar yeah. that if he could sing at all, at all, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. then he actually was quite good. Yeah. So, well, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's amazing how long it took him because he, he, he did. He played for a long time mm -hmm. before he ever sang. Hey, I saw him open for uh, 
uh, George Thurgood at the Agora Ballroom, and uh, Thurgood buried him. <laughs> I mean, it was Thurgood's night. Wow. Those yeah. people came to see George Thurgood. Yeah. He had a huge following. It's, nobody knew who the hell Stevie was yeah. back at that time. He was still tough touring, just opening what shows he could get. That's an amazing thing, too, when, um, you know, you, you go, when you're an opening act or whatever, you know, you've been an opening act. It's so tough. Like you're the sound turn. check. Yeah, it's amazing. Basically, the sound check. I mean, you've been put together. You know, a lot of, in many cases, you've got sort of the uh, the nod from the the main act. Like, hey, check yeah. this out in a way. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing how snobbish sometimes well, they. Well, can you be. hope you have that. Yeah, Oftentimes, you hope you, do. <laughs> you don't have that either. Yeah. So. And then, yeah. uh, coming up on your on the timeline that I'm looking here too. <laughs> Another thing I was going to ask you about is um, I don't know much about Robert Cannon, but I did get an album of his back i guess it was a live album mm-hmm. and delbert mcclennan uh sang on it yeah and i noticed on your timeline that I'd, i had no idea you know that that you did work with him yeah i did an back album in the, that you did an album with him 71 i i can't remember now when it was about 71 and it's interesting like you're in i mean would you consider you and uh, delbert mcclennan uh, uh similar in in your I vocals? think at, at the time, we would have been considered in the same bag. Yeah. No question about it. Like, one of my big songs was Take Me to the River. You yeah. Know, he covered that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you're an R&B or a blues-type singer, there's a certain style involved. Right. I mean, my last And you can years, sing in a real high register. You know, you yeah, can really I'm more get of a up tenor. there. I'm more of a tenor yeah. than he is. But he, he's a dynamite singer. I've always right. admired him. Um, I, I, I've tried in the last few years to get that black connotation off of it. Yeah. Very much because early, you know, I would even put on a dialect. Really? Yeah, you know, because I wanted to be, to, I wanted to, to be like Muddy Waters. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. But then it's after great. a while, you get to a place where, you know, I done got this or I done got, you know, right, right. you've got to speak it. It's got to be your language. Right. Yeah. Our people aren't going to, aren't going to really believe it. Right. right. Even if it's good. Yeah. They're, you know, they're going to say, hey, he's singing. He doesn't talk like that. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? I mean, there's a mental thing right. that may not, they may not be aware of it, but there's a block there. Yeah. And I, I, and I always admonish singers for not singing in their voice. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, no matter how good Bobby Bland is, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have that dialect, you shouldn't put it on. Right. Yeah. You got to find where your voice cracks like his. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can do the squat. But Bobby started that doing squawk. that after oh, a while. Oh, man, he turned his head way back and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the Bobby Blue Band squat. But I don't think I don't know why I love it. <laughs> it's almost like a jack in the box. It's a survival tactic. What do you mean? Totally. It, it's a way of making a powerful sound without hurting yourself. He sings so hard. Yeah. You know, that he, he found a way that if he puts that cut on it, yeah. it doesn't hurt his voice. It doesn't strain his vocal cords as much as singing really hard. Really? And so it, it, it's a way. It's much more later in his career you'll find than early. That he was... Uh, early in his career, there'd be just a little all. cut. But now yeah, yeah. He, do, he does it all the time because it's, it, it's, it's a way of surviving. Yeah. But his normal voice is kind of subtle and, and mellow, though. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it doesn't sweet. sound like Helen Wolf. You it's know, he, pretty. It's a sweet voice right. is what it is. Like Sam Cooke, only deeper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember bringing, you know, our girlfriends at the time. Remember, you know, he, Bobby Bland played uh, Midtown Music Festival, yeah. Yeah. which blew me away. You know, right. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe that you little, know, t- little, that little tent. tent. Yeah. And I'm seeing Bla- Bobby Blue Bland in this, li- you know, like right in front of him. Right. You know, and I remember bringing the girlfriends out who would, you know, they're not into blues and they right. had never heard of this guy before. Yeah. And all of a sudden <laughs> he's singing, you know, nice mellow tune. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the girls start losing it, you know, cracking. Is something wrong with the mic? <laughs> 
the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah, it did it all through the set, but I loved it. Uh, I tell you, he's, he's an amazing singer. Yeah. He always has been. But, um, well, anyway, Roy Buchanan. I mean, do you know anything about Roy Buchanan? No, I don't. You know, that I, I listened to that live album over and over and over that like Robert it? McClinton was on. You know, yeah. I used to love it. And, you know, this was back when I was right. 17, probably. I bought that record. And uh, unfortunately, I, I think I got a few other records. I think I may have gotten the one that you're on on vinyl. Yeah. Um, it's not a great record. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't consider it to be a great record. No. But he still. Did, he did win a, 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 some kind of an award for one of the songs on it. Yeah. One thing about that record is I chose everything that I sang. Oh, really? Yeah. He, did, he showed up with a guitar and said, what do you guys want to play? Well, how did that come about, by the way? Well, I was playing with Tom Doucette, who was, was the guy who traveled with the Allman Brothers playing harmonica. Yeah. Uh, he toured with He's on the Fillmore albums. Huh. And uh, I had started a band with him called The Solid Cinders, and we'd go back and forth and back and forth to Macon, and then back to Florida, Sarasota, which is where he was from originally. So we yeah. just stayed in Florida and Georgia. This is back at the time with, with Hampton. Yeah. And uh, it just so happened that he knew a fellow named Ed Freeman, who was the guy who had produced American Pie. For Don McLean. Oh. Mm. And Ed had been contacted by Roy's people. Roy's people wanted him to do something. They felt like Roy was just this monstrous guitar player who just liked to play with his drinking buddies. Right. So they wanted to put together a band. But he was, I mean, he sang a few tunes, but he wasn't really. No, he was not a singer. He was a guitar player. Exactly. And eccentric as they come. Really? Yeah. But a great player. I mean, he just had instincts. He wanted you to throw a song at him and let me see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he usually came up with something good. I mean, I don't... I, my my beef was we recorded the rough tracks initially. This is my first time in the studio. This is a record plant. This is where Jimi Hendrix recorded. You know, Whoa. this was a big deal for me. Yeah. I'm 21 years old, scared shitless, you know. Yeah. And that's in... Where's and, that? It's Salsalito, the record plant. Okay. There was one in New York and yeah. one in Salsalito. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I thought it was in New York, but yeah, this was in California. one on each coast. And uh, so I'm in there, and we had this groove going. Roy hadn't even gotten there yet. Yeah. And we put down the rhythm tracks of these songs, and I sang the scratch, scratches. And I said, I was, and I was isolated, and I said, that's great. That's exactly what we want. Yeah. Then they made me come back and re-sing it. Because? Because they didn't feel like the microphone caught the sound of my voice accurately uh, enough. Yeah, and sure. they were wrong, because I tell you, the first takes were a whole lot better. I really? never, huh. I never, and I, I don't listen to the album now, because yeah, it still disappoints me, because I had hot takes, and I lost them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it goes. That's too bad. Yeah. But, sucks, yeah. hey, you recorded with Roy Buchanan. I recorded with Roy, and people <laughs> still talk to me about him all the time. Really? He, he had one pair of pants. They were red bell bottoms, and they came down about six inches right. above his ankles <laughs> and he wore them every day and at every gig that we ever did which was about seven gigs yeah. we, we did don kirshner's rock concert huh. which was a tv show yeah for I've... rock bands back then and then we toured hit about six spots and that was the last i saw of him i never saw him again right wow. yeah because he passed away what was it, late 70s no yeah early? he got killed in prison is they, that what happened? They said he killed himself, but I don't believe that. I think that he had bad blood with some of those people up around Washington. You wow. know, he had had a lot of run-ins with him. You know, Roy was a barber in his trade. He was? But when he drank and went yeah. out and played and stuff, you know, he had a lot of run-ins with the police. And I think somebody finally had had enough of him is what Shit, I believe. Wow. I mean, he was a crazy guy, but he wasn't a suicidal guy. I, don't, right. I honestly don't think he killed himself. Hmm. But that's, what, that's the story that we live with. Right. And, and so, he played, so he also played with Delbert McClinton then? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure a different. That's times. what I'm saying. He, uh, oh, okay. Delbert sang on that album that I got. Okay, all right. Yeah. Delbert McClinton, I'm 
familiar, familiar with, with. But, you know, Roy, Roy Buchanan, I, I know the name. Yeah. I mean, you you have a hell of a lot more. For my taste, Delbert's never You're familiar listen. with Delbert McClendon? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's astounding to me. Man. I mean, he, he's got his own category in music, yeah. man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, well, right. what do you call it? Nobody else yeah. is in it. If he wins a Grammy, he won the Grammy for Delbert. Right. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, what category? Mine. Delbert. Well, mine. <laughs> Hey, yeah. more power to him, man. Yeah. Do, a, do you do a live album from Smith's Old Bar? That I don't know. Delbert? Yeah. No. I'm thinking of somebody else. It's too yeah. big for that. Yeah? Yeah. I'm I'm not from he wouldn't do it there. He'd do it at the Fox. Yeah. yeah. If he was going to go to he's, a small he's venue. He's big time, man. Well, no, I know that, but I mean, I'm th- I thought from, from a long back. time. Yeah, from way back. I, I opened for him a couple of shows up in Washington about yeah. two years ago. That's intimidating to open for an eight-piece band by yourself. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it really went well. Oh, you yeah. played acoustic? You mean? Yeah, I was just standing there singing songs I wrote. Man, it's terrifying. Well, it's funny. Yeah. We opened for Colonel Bruce once, acoustic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing acu- he didn't want us to play electric. Didn't want us to play electric, yeah. yeah. So we played acoustic. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Which yeah. I don't think we that's ever did tough. before. Right. You know, we said, uh... Well, we'll open for uh, for Bruce. We'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you just play the gig. You do yeah. The I gig? mean, <laughs> you're thinking expo- but it, but it is tough. That's tough to go up there. You know, w- when people are coming with this expectation yeah. of you yeah. know this big band that they're going to see. And right. Now I want to hear about. I'm, you know, I'm messing this. Up. I don't know where we are in, on our in our history, but like when you started opening for for Muddy, when was when was the first time you opened for for Muddy and those guys? Wait, wasn't there somewhere where you opened for like T Bone and Muddy? Uh, I opened that? for both of them. I opened five nights for Muddy at a place called Richards, the South's finest rock club, they called it. Yeah. They played uh, – Glenn Phillips was in my band at that point. Okay. And uh, every night when I played a song called Kokomo, Muddy would make everybody backstage shut up. And a couple of times he came out and watched it. Said it was the best he'd ever heard it except when he did it. Yeah. <laughs> which to me was – I mean, forget it. That, that was, that was, that was what kept me At that point, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, he appreciated my work. He was a wow. lovely man. And, you know, wow. I, I named my daughter after one of his songs. So I, Honeybee is my daughter's oh, yeah? name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I asked him to be your godfather. So he always wanted to see Honeybee. So she came down a couple of times. And he, I mean, he is? Yeah. Oh, well, he was. He was, yeah. I mean? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he says yes. You yeah. know, that's all. <laughs> that do, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, he loved her. You know, he'd always yeah. ask, well, Honeybee, where little Honeybee at? He'd, How old is she now? Oh, she's 32, got a child yeah. going on three. Does she tell everybody that she's ever heard of that Muddy Waters is her godfather? I, I don't think she does. Because I would. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, well, you know, I don't think she does. I think yeah, she yeah, just, yeah. she's kind of shy in her nature. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it means a lot to her. That uh, I got some great That's pictures cool. coming together. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, you know, and s- dumb as I am, I never got a picture of me and Muddy. <laughs> I was so busy standing there being in awe right. that it never occurred to me to walk up next to the guy and get a photo made. I mean, I wasn't thinking promotionally, you know right. what I'm saying? But I do have some shots of him with my daughter, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, well, that's all you need. Yeah. That's all I would want. Yeah, well, they're important. Yeah. yeah. How much did you learn, you know, when you had those opportunities? Were, were you aware of, like, wow, this is this is an opportunity not only for my career but for me personally? Well, I can tell you one thing I learned. When during this time, this was late for Muddy. You know, mm-hmm. he, he Muddy was seated when he performed during okay. this time. Yeah. And at the end of the show, no matter what how the show went, they would do got my mojo work, and Muddy would get off his ass and do the mojo dance. Yeah. Right. And I learned how powerful it is to stand up and move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at least yeah. at some point, even right, if yeah. you're sitting there a lot of the time, right. you yeah. got to move laterally every once in a while. It just yeah. brings the whole room. Back to you, yeah, right? You yeah. know, so that's something I learned from Muddy. Yeah, and I learned it from that week. I watched him do it several times. 
Those, and that's and that's kind of exactly what I was looking, thinking about. You know, not necessarily guitar playing wise, but you know those mm-hmm. kinds of things. You know, just how to handle a crowd, how to handle yourself, how, how to, to own the room. Yeah, those kinds of yeah. things. Yeah, Muddy owned the room when he was in there. I mean, the people who were there were in awe of him, that's and that's cool. you know he certainly learn from that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Not only to be you know to be able to see some of those artists when they were around, but to be a part of that show, yeah. you know, you're seeing it from a whole different perspective. T-Bone Walker was so drunk, he played Stormy Monday twice. <laughs> <laughs> and the song in the middle was a slow blues in G. Oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I was so disappointed because, I yeah. mean, this is a guy that I admired so much, and he was just smashed. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. Now, One. you were going to see him play, not that. No, I opened the show. You were opening the oh, show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there are a bunch of people. Al Hibbler was on that show. But John wasn't Lee T-Bone Hooker? one of the first guys to, like, you know, do the Hendrix stuff and play behind yeah, his he, head? He did and, a, well, he, he's yeah. one of the first ones remembered for that, but a yeah. lot of them did all that I'm calisthenics sure they did. and stuff. They, you know, once one, of them, one, of, they one of them players started doing that yeah. stuff, the rest of them started doing it, too. Because what works, works. Right. I mean, to be fair, if you pick up a best of T-Bone Walker album, it all sounds like Stormy Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds good. It does. If it, it ain't does. broke, don't fix it. <laughs> now, that, I'll tell you what. T-Bone was one of my... When I first started getting into blues and I heard him even just solo. Yeah. And, you know, I had always been used to, like, these guitar shredder soloing styles from right. other people. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, this guy plays his guitar solos kind of like how a jazz saxophonist Finesse. would play. Finesse. You know, what like, a concept. Like how Louis Jordan would, you know... Exactly. He was more of a jazz player, really. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I was like, wow, I didn't know it could be just this soulful and, and you know, mellow, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but T- T-Bone and little bitty that. tiny guy. And he had this great big Johnny Smith guitar. I swear to God, it right. was as big as he was. Well, you always see those pictures. It's like, was it a white one? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I, no, right. it was more of a sunburst-looking guitar, okay. and it was just huge. And, and he would hold it upright like this yeah. and look down on it when he played. I, like mean, a, I, I think it was like just, a lap steel guy? Just <laughs> drunkenness. It was really it was <laughs> drunkenness. See what he was doing. Well. That's the only Where time the I ever saw him. Yeah. What is this thing? <laughs> well... We're going almost an hour. I, okay. There's a lot I want to get into here. Do you want to you, you want to do another tune here and then come back and talk for a little while longer? Yeah, right. let's do that. Call it out, man. And then uh, we'll talk for a little while longer. Do one more tune and then. Uh, but I'd li- I think I'd like to hear one now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. We we been oh, starting sorry. to kind of get inter- interested right. in doing that that little uh, tune in the middle. I like yeah. that. So what do you want to do here? I'm gonna do. Uh, this is uh, one of the ones that Nate Nelson Nathan's been doing. Okay. This one draws from my years traveling with bands.
sky A beautiful lady with a long black hair And she disappeared right there before my eyes Oh, she disappeared right there before my See, we went Europe again. The European weight. <laughs> cool. Yeah, very nice, man. Yeah, Thank real you. nice. Thank you. Howling, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? A little early in the day for the howling, yeah. actually. The howling kicks in about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Yeah. I mean, when I first moved here and I first started seeing you play, you know, this was about 15 years ago, uh, you know, at Northside and everything, and yet your singing style was unlike I've heard, you know, most people sing. Mm-hmm. And you had that high register thing going on, and... Uh, it was just something that I'm always like, you know, if somebody says says Bill Sheffield, I remember that 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 way of singing. I mean, were you when you do all that high register and you know, all the uh, you know the when you're getting up real high like that, it's almost like a uh, like a JB Lenore oh, type thing. You know what I mean? So underrated. Yeah, one of the very best of the blues. But singers. were you emulating anybody back then when you were starting to sing like that, or has that always just been your natural? You know, I think early BB King, the really early stuff, yeah, when he was yeah. singing real up high, getting yeah. over the sound of the band without yeah. much of a mic, that stuff really influenced me because my voice was up there already. Yeah, you know, that's mm. it's. What you would expect is I always wished I could sing alone, like John Lee Hooker. <laughs> me you know? me too, right. Down there yeah. where it rattles you down to your right. guts. And, but that's not my voice. So, you, right. know, you have to find where your voice is and yeah. go there. That's tough. A lot of people can't, you yeah. know. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they, they get too stuck in wanting to be a certain thing. Yeah, yeah, you can't. you gotta find you got to find your voice. That's the thing. you right. got to take them as – I mean, that's why influence is such a good word. You know, you got to be influenced and then, then kind of add – Yeah, not emulate. I mean, you can emulate it if you turn it into something else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you. Well, you know, that kind of goes along with what I was just thinking about because we've had a couple guitar players as well come in and talk about you being, you know, uh, stylistically to their guitar playing an mm-hmm. influence. I mean, Dave – 
and um, uh, mean, uh, Nate. Nate, sorry, and then um, and Stevie. Stevie. Yeah. Um, where did who are you? I what, guess guitar uh, player influenced wise? by yeah, guitar player wise. Well, the three main guys for acoustic guitar for me were uh, Mississippi John Hurt, mm-hmm. yeah. who had just a style, just completely his own. Wouldn't even be called blues except he was a black guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just not blues at all. It's folk. Right. Music. Folk music. Yeah. 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 And uh, I guess you'd have to say Blind Blake, an absolute cyborg of a guitar player. Mm-hmm. I still can't fathom what he played. I can play a couple of his songs, but yeah. understanding. The way he approached it is still beyond me. And the other would be Bill Brunzi, who was oh, yeah. a much better guitarist than a lot of his recordings indicate. Right. I mean, Und- he, underrated too, you know. Yeah, very much. I mean, yeah. he was a monster guitar player, but then later, you know, he hired the horn horns and everything. He was a huge success. He was the biggest blues guy in the country for a long time. And he, I, I don't think he got lazy. He just wanted a bigger band. You know, he wanted a yeah. bigger sound, so he stopped really playing guitar. Later, he took it back up during the folk resurgence in right. the 60s. Well, he probably did all right with so many people covering his stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. funny, too, though. That, you know, in some ways, I kind of respect that in that when people are willing to sort of do what's best for the music or the song. You know, yeah, like, it's absolutely. a hard thing to do, you know, especially when you are so gifted and talented and um, on an instrument or as a vocalist. Um, to be able to sort of step back and do what's best for the music yeah. sometimes is tough. Well, I think for them it was all about market-driven, you know. I mean, yeah. they, they hear Bessie Smith and these people playing with a big band, and they're going to do that. I mean, because right, to, right. to them that's like a nice set of cufflinks and a Cadillac. You know, <laughs> right. that says, I have arrived. So it's not as genuine, I can pay maybe. a bunch of musicians, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's an important thing. It's yeah. true of all musicians, really, you know. So. Status. Well, you want to make a living, too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad I can do it alone. Yeah. If I couldn't yeah, play by myself, huge. I wouldn't be able to do it. I, yeah. you know, traveling. I, I can't play alone. Yeah. Well, I love, I love how in your bio, um, in the timeline, where uh, the albums that are released here and there, yeah, this album is released to little response or something like yeah. that. I had a couple <laughs> of those. Yeah. I noticed that a couple of times. I was like, it's so funny. The journal on the Shelf, later on, Journal on the Shelf really did get some really good reviews. And then the next album, I couldn't even get a bad review on it. You know, it's just funny how it swings. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just so strange. I mean, Journal, I've got 10, 12 really raving reviews about that album. The next album was, you know, maybe not as good. I don't know. I thought it was as good. Yeah. Couldn't even get them to listen to it. Right. You know, let alone review it. Crazy. Right. It's so, I mean, yeah, I, I don't even want to get into that, but it's so crazy just people sitting and judging oh. music, you know, yeah. writing. Yeah, I'm a, you yeah, know, I, I got into music so I didn't have to compete. Right. right. I mean, that's me, and it's not a fear yeah. of competition. Right. It's just that yeah. I want to create something, I, I want to paint my. My masterpiece, you know, and I don't yeah. do that by competing. Right. Well, it, I'm almost glad that I'm into blues sometimes just for the reason that nobody really cares about it. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> nobody else out in the mainstream really, you know, it's like it can be. It is a thing of its own. You know, that's for sure. you can get into the stuff that you're into within this genre and, and you have to talk worry about, about being it. bombarded with, yeah, everybody else's opinions about uh, this or that. Right. You know, and even seeing people that you don't think, you know, should get success become successful right you know right. that yeah, nobody like, gets right. success <laughs> right <laughs> there is that concrete ceiling there's, you know yeah, it's su- success is just a whole different thing now yeah it comes from a different place altogether yeah well it's a different time you know it's all being able to pay your rent or mortgage or not you know doing what you love doing yeah well i mean you know the, the years you've put into it and and been able to 
sustain and be a part of the scene, I mean that that proves it right there. You know, you don't need anything more than that, really. Yeah. That that shows the talent. That shows you know everything that you need to know. I think. All right. After I'm dead, I'm going to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Determined. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to bring our discussions yeah. more into the modern times. I was, I was thinking about bringing it up to like when Brian and I first came to Atlanta, which is around 95. But before we get into that, you know, what I, w- I just wanted to address, you know, I, I guess it was a few years before that you kind of packed it up for about three years. Did. Stopped it. Didn't crack a guitar case open for three years. And you stopped mm, drinking wow. and stopped... Uh, yeah, I went into, went into treatment for a little while. Did you? Dealt with, you know, alcoholism is sort of an occupational hazard yeah. in that business. And, you know, it's, I mean, uh, I know we talked about this a little bit before yeah. we started recording. but uh, yeah. So uh, I dealt with those issues to some extent. And then, you know, after several years of total abstinence and sobriety, I, I decided I needed some wilding. Yeah. You know, what happens is you lose your wilding. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Everything is becomes very tame. And, and this is for me, and I'm not saying this is for anybody else. Right. If you're in AA and you're not drinking, don't go about. Right. But you have to decide who you are. And I also have always had an eating disorder. started yeah. very early in my life. So I'm an addictive personality. So if you have an eating disorder, you can't just stop. Right. Yeah. You begin to deal with degrees. Yeah, you, you have begin to, to deal with it out. really actually facing the issue. Why? Right. Why am I going there? Why am I doing this? Right. And utilizing some of that. Now I draw my line. I don't drink hard liquor. I, you know, I spent a lot of years drinking hard liquor. It's probably the biggest reason I'm not better known. I wouldn't have gambled hmm. on me. Really? Wow. Yeah. By the time of the '70s or the '80s, if I had looked at me on stage with all those shooters lined up, yeah. <laughs> Knocking them back like, when like I, I looked like trouble from the other yeah. side of the stage if you were talking about spending money on it. Right. So it makes sense to me. And so I stopped. Was there a moment or was it just kind of a... Uh, well, you know, you bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've heard of the bottom. Yeah. And my bottom was, was pretty low the first time. And I've, you know, I've, I've bottomed a couple of times since then. But right now it's pretty much in the road. I yeah. mean, I, you know, I'm happy. I'm enjoying my life. You know, and and you know, I get a little mad sometimes, but at the same time, keep it in the road. So right. that is an interesting perspective too, because you don't think about that. Like, yeah, you know, people have eating, like you said, eating disorders, but you can't stop eating. You no, know, no. you have to be able to figure it out and manage it, and and figure that that was another funny thing I noticed where you're like, I lose 130 pounds, and then yeah, <laughs> so so oh, on you the timeline, have, you mean? Yeah, on the yeah. timeline, is like, yeah, I got a little unhealthy there for a while on the other side of fat. Yeah, 130 so, pounds, jeez, yeah. and um. But yeah, so with drinking, everybody's thought is just well, you just stop, you know. But um, no, but you know, you still need to deal with it. You still need to figure it out. So. You got to figure out what, where it came from and why it is. Yeah, and and to some of it, there is a certain addictive nature. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a genetic side to it. I think my father was a complete addict. I mean, I watched, I viewed it my whole life, so I think I got that part of myself from really? him. But by the same token, there's responsibility right you <laughs> and can't. coming to terms with your own life at some point and where you want it to be or where you need it to be so, sure yeah. you just kind of chill out from the music for a while and concentrate yeah. on family i got a job i got uh, bought a house yeah you know and, and uh I still to some a place where i could rent part of it and live in the you know i got yeah. my business together for a while okay. sold stereo equipment met some great people yeah and then crack that guitar case over yeah. about three years later and all bets were off. Mm. I was tired of selling stereos by then. <laughs> but I was good at it. I right. sold, God, I sold over a million one year, a million five, a million four, something like that. Wow. Stereo case. You know, I was moving it out the building. I was making a map. 
Now, nice. bef- now before that, when you know when you were playing a lot, and uh, I mean, was there ever a point where you thought you were going to get to the that next tier of you know, success, what, what? musical success? You know, where you're going to go out on the road, and that was going to be it, and and be a no. I never saw that door crack. I never saw really. Never saw that door really crack. Yeah, well, um, after the Roy Buchanan thing, I mean, it was a long time before I did any more recording, and that was more or less a self recording. Yeah. So, uh, well, I didn't do it myself, but it but. was our. Was your, yeah. yeah, so no, I never felt that stardom was right around the corner. No, no uh, not to go all the way back to the early days, but but along those lines, what were you know? We talked a little bit about how you said you didn't really have that like, oh, this is what I have to do moment, but it was over time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what was your goal? Like, did, what did you s- see for yourself in music? Because it was so different back in those days. It seems like you didn't have to have all the radio hits to sort of still be successful um, and kind of known even a little bit. I don't know that I had a specific goal. That might have been the problem. I mean, to make the music, you know, to make something that hit me like that. The first time I heard Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground by Blind Willie Johnson, it's the first time I ever cried listening to a piece of music. I mean, it was so evocative Hmm. to me. And I said, that's what I want to do. Right. And everything else was economics. How right. can I keep myself in a position where I can keep right. doing this? It right. always seemed that way to me. And yeah. so, so being that, like, you, um, you know, you back some guys at some time and sometime you – like, did you, did you even have, like, your vision for what you were within music? I, I was a singer. Okay. It was my responsibility. It all usually fell to me. Okay. And usually there would be other singers, but I was the singer. Okay. I mean that was my job That's because sing, singing is very rare. I mean it's a, it's a it's a rare gift. We talk I mean, about that all the time. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, so real singers. It, yeah. If real you can singers. do it, if yeah. you can do it, then it's your responsibility to do it. If that's what what the course you're going to follow. Yeah, yeah. Best one of the best I ever saw. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Terry Reed, out of Britain. Mm-hmm. Most amazing singer you ever saw. Aretha Franklin said he was the best singer in Europe. What? Yeah. And you never heard of him. Wow. I mean, this guy opened for the Rolling Stones and just plastered me to the wall. I said, yeah. I've never heard anybody sing like that and just disappeared off into the bowels of California can, is what I hear. Can you find recordings? And uh, I imagine you could. Yeah. If, 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 you know, I, I'm not a big Googler, but I imagine yeah. you could find some stuff by him. What I mean, kind of stuff was he doing? He, he wrote some of it. But mm-hmm. it was very R and B sounding. Okay. I mean, he was—he's the guy who got Robert Plant the gig with Led Zeppelin. Oh, they wanted him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said, "Well, I, you know, I want to continue my course, but uh, here's this guy that can sing for you." This, right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he was the first guy. It, it, same thing with Deep, with Deep Purple. They wanted <laughs> yeah. him for Deep Purple. He turned that down as well. Shit. But Led Zeppelin, come on! Yeah, my <laughs> you got to kick yourself at some point. <laughs> That's funny because I had always, I always thought that uh, I always thought the story had gone that uh, that. Robert and John, yeah, yeah John Bonham, Bonham were kind of like the tandem, and then they kind of got with. It might be, it might knows. very well be. Yeah, yeah. John Bonham wanted to be Keith Moon. <laughs> Keith Moon was John Bonham's yeah. god. Keith Moon. We always talk about Keith. Like you know, I could never play with Keith Moon. Like he just there's He's no a, pocket. This yeah, incredible drummer, but but yet I listen to him and I think I yeah. would never know where the one is. <laughs> but I tell you what, those those guys could sing. Oh yeah, four piece harmonies. I mean, four part harmonies yeah, on yeah. that Rolling Stones show that they did. They blistered everybody. I mean, they were so good and so rehearsed in. Yeah. 
But then, you know, you see him live, and, and Keith would just be, I mean, he was a basket case is what it was, mm. you know. He was the right drummer for that band, though. Yeah. Yeah, he was just insane, And, and Twistle. Yeah. Badass. Badass. Yeah. God. You're right. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I think he was doing stuff on bass that guys still aren't doing. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like that boom, ba da boom, ba da boom, boom, He just did incredible stuff. He was amazing. Crazy. So okay, so so you always saw yourself as a singer then, and then that was kind of yeah. The, and I played harmonica with the first blues band, but then I had already learned guitar, and I decided pretty early. I did a, a week of shows with George Smith. I don't know if you're on, George you're, harmonica. George Smith. Smith yeah, yeah, I did a week of shows with him, and I gave up harmonica shortly after that. <laughs> I said, sure. "There's no way I'll ever be able to do right. anything close to that." He was just so amazing on it. Well, were, you, were you playing amplified harp? Like it? he played through the PA. He I mean, did? I played through yeah. an amp, you know, because yeah, that okay. was the way I learned it, like from Walter. But he, right. he played through one of them sure vocal master PA systems, man. Yeah. And it was all toned straight out of him. Right. And well, Stoney used to do that, too. The, the first, the first thing, I didn't meet him until we started playing. We were going to back him up and Big Mama Thornton. They were on tour together. Wow. And uh, he walked up on the stage with a chromatic harp and said, okay, boys, mac the knife in D flat and started counting. Yeah. Oh. And we're like, no shuffle and G. So what happened yeah. was, so what happened was, he played Mac the Knife on chromatic harp and played yeah. it brilliantly. And we just stood there. And then he said, "Okay, let's do some blues." <laughs> he, I mean, he took pity. So you didn't need to know who the boss is. Basically, what he was saying is, "I need you guys." <laughs> Like a hole in the head. Right. I can do this by myself. But right. I'm going to give you something. And he kind of took me under his wing. Showed yeah. me, go out in the crowd, you know, go out there and grab those people and bring them back with you. Right. Most of those people are much better entertainers than they are now. Yeah. You know, than people in our stuff. They don't entertain much. They stand there and play. Right. Most of those great blues players learned how to entertain. Yeah, you got to have charisma. Yeah, yeah, and, and movement. You know? He's got charisma. Charisma. And <laughs> madness. Like Howlin' Wolf was crazier than hell. Yeah, that's <laughs> you what know? I've heard. Uh, no. That's what I've heard. Um, all right. Well, you want to bring it up into the 90s for a second? Yeah, let's do it. When I first saw you, I, it may have been at a Blue Raccoon. Um, yeah. Not Northside? No, Blue Raccoon. I know I said not Northside. Oh, not Northside. Uh, yeah, probably Blue Raccoon because I used to well, – when, when was the jam nights? It was Tuesday nights? Uh, seems like it was. Something like that? Because that was a pretty no, it was big Thursday, I think. Was it Thursdays? I did Tuesday night jam at the North Side for about six years. Okay. With Larry Griffith. Yeah. And, uh, was it Tuesday night jam? It was Tuesday back then. But the, one of the Blue Raccoon, I think, was Thursday. They had open mic on Wednesday and a jam on Thursday. The best I can re- recall. But, uh, so that was before Johnny's jam on Monday? Yeah, probably. So. You know, no, Johnny start, had had an early jam on Monday, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, but I guess that was before that. I can't remember, okay. man. It probably says so over there. What, what year was I playing <laughs> Look with Look at Larry my Green? bio. Tell me something. <laughs> when did I play years. with him? <laughs> it's a bunch of years in there. Fresh my I don't memory. remember which one was which. But, yeah, the, the Blue Raccoon, my, my wife, Anita, yeah. actually opened that club. Okay. And we played there every Friday and Saturday. John Whelan was the bass player right. for a long time. And Liebman. Played yeah. uh, harmonica with me for a long time. Well, because you know everybody that uh, you know has learned a lot from you that's been through here kept saying, "Yeah, we used to go up to Blue Raccoon." Yeah, and I'd been up there a bunch of times. That's where know? I met Nathan first yeah. time. Yeah, the Blue Raccoon. The Blue Raccoon. So, so you were doing that, and then um, the Tuesdays with Donnie yeah. started. Well, how long? How long ago? Nah, that, that, that may have been even seven more years. Recent. That was, was seven, seven years, years. I did with Donnie. Yeah, Donnie uh, McCormick. 
he uh, had just gotten out of jail, you know, and, yeah. and moved into his place over there near the north side. And yeah. Was busy dump, dumpster diving all day, right. finding crazy-looking stuff to move in there. Right. And, you know, didn't have any income or anything. And, and uh, Ellen at the north side has always tried to take care of Donnie. Right. You know, Donnie wasn't good at taking care of himself, right. really. He was a rough old boy. Yeah. But, yeah, we started doing it at their behest. And, it, you know, he didn't really want to do it. You know, I mean, Donnie always admired me, but we right. didn't have a lot musically in common. And for our listeners that don't know, you know, Donnie played his chicken shack. Chicken. Yeah, the chicken, chicken coop. chicken, chicken coop. coop. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, for all that don't know, at, yeah. in 1969 and 70, Donnie McCormick was by far the best drummer in Georgia. Yeah. He was a monster. Even before uh, And Quincy singing Tate. his ass off at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, He's he was, another high register guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. wee high. He's <laughs> really. Really Even at the end, you know, when he wasn't feeling good and when his health was really yeah. getting bad, it, it was still just amazing the sounds that would come right. out of him. But in those early days, he was really a monster drummer. Yeah. Listen, to, listen to Pallet on My Floor. Uh, is oh, that Oliver's one? record? With, on Oliver's record? Yeah, yeah you'll yeah. you'll hear that. <laughs> yeah. High yeah. register. Yeah. He's uh, And then, you know, he went to the chicken coop. It's something he started doing down in Macon when he's hanging out down there, you know, yeah. just out there at the Allman Brothers' house. Yeah. Just something for fun. And then he, he kind of got pigeonholed in it late yeah because his health had gotten to where drums you know drums is a very difficult it's, instrument it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's more a lot of physically more yeah. work than anything else and oh yeah where the, as the chicken coop he could you know continue to, to be crazy right <laughs> and sing and he would never sing and not be playing something it just right. wouldn't have been him so but we, we ended up doing some really wonderful things there yeah. I, I didn't have high hopes for it. I didn't know what to play with him because I hadn't kept up with his career particularly, and he hadn't right. kept up with mine. But we started with Jimmy Reed and just grew from there. Yeah, and ended up playing some of the best nights I ever played. Right. I, yeah, we've heard a lot about those. The greatest thing in the world is if, is I would start a song of mine like Thirteen Hours was one of his favorites, and the first thing Donnie would do was stand up, throw both his hands up in the air, and yell at the top of his lungs. <laughs> you knew that this is one of the ones he right. liked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so his first part of a song, the first thing that he did was shout. Right. Yeah. And then he'd sit down and start whacking. And, <laughs> and Donnie's time was still perfect. Yeah. I mean, if on Donnie established time on stage, that was the time you right. played too. It was as simple as that. But he was also kind of one of those guys that who was who was the drummer that it was tough to uh, watch him play. He was always on time. Oh, like uh, Ron Loxton is kind of like that. You always think like he's he's not playing in time, but, it, but he I'm is. Not seeing the Ron Loxton, what's he doing now? He plays on uh, Thursday nights at Mets. Oh, is that right? Still, oh I think that's like a twenty-year gig. I took him to Florida one time. I wrote a song one time to get him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I what love you, you Ron. Yeah, but yeah. that's a guy who's got the next subject in mind. He's, Am he, I right? He's, I mean, he's he will, a talker. He will yeah, keep yeah. chatting. And I finally said, man, I'm working on a song up here, man. You're going to have to give me an hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was about to burst in the yeah. back seat by the time it was over. <laughs> Good drummer, though. Oh, that's yeah. But he's, but he's one of those guys. Yeah. That he's, he's such a wi- he has such a wild playing style. Yeah. Yes, he's all over yes, the place. Yes, now, you think he's all all over the place, yeah. but he's right on. You know, he's also yeah, the arms one of those guys like who swinging around to hit yeah. the, the cymbals and all. That. And the, he he doesn't. Uh, and he also holds holds the jazz the, style. The jazz style, yeah, yeah. 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 Played with uh, Frankie for a long, long time. Still miss Frankie, Frankie as most, well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, I know. I keep having to bring up people that we've you know kind of lost within yeah. the last you know. I miss five just him years. being up there in that store. Just knowing he was there. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Frankie's up there in his guitar store. Right. <laughs> it's dusty as hell, but he's yeah. in there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good man. 
Who was he? Every Thursday? Football star in high school. Did you know that? Frankie Motes? Really? Yeah, Frankie Motes was big star? in there. Star? He would have been a star, <clears throat> except his knees got messed up. Really? I mean, yeah, he was going to college on a scholarship. He would have been huh. a pro. He was really good as well. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that like a typical story right there? Yeah, you know, you blow your knees yeah, out, and you pick up the guitar. and There you go. <laughs> well, it was meant to be. That's what they say. Well, yeah. Quarterback, guitar player. My, I could see, you know, spotlight. Yeah. You know, it's same inclinations. I, I bought the last guitar he sold. Oh, Saw really? Frankie oh, two, days, two days before he went into hospice. Yeah. I went oh, over really? to his house. He had a Hercville Villa yeah. like, from the 50s. And he said, take it and see if you like it. And I, I took it and said, I will. I didn't know if I had any use for it, but he went to hospice. So he ended up buying it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I got that still. It's nice. You know, yeah. It's okay. I know. I passed by a store the other day, and it's like some, some cheesy store now. Yeah. I'm like, man, it's a shame. Eh, what are you going to do? Yeah, ain't going to do nothing. You know? It's the way it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of people in the scene that you've played with in the past, or that you know, I saw Oliver's on your list too. Which, yeah. you know, and Oliver, he was with the band, didn't sing a note. Played Oliver. with me for four or five months. I, it, this Not was crazy. after he had been with Tinsley for a while. Yeah, I was playing with my wife Leanne. He didn't even open his mouth the first time. I had no idea he could sing. Yeah, I don't even know if he did at that time. But boy, he sure found it. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. really did. <laughs> he really did. Well, and if you listen to like the first King Johnson record too, it's just what he was doing then is so different. Than yeah. What he's doing now. Yeah, he definitely you know, found a voice. He yeah. really did, yeah. He really did. How, how, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Uh-oh. You know, because you've been, you know, seeing so much talent here. I know we talked before about, like, um, you know, what were some of the bands that sort of didn't get anywhere, I guess. you know, Hydra. Yeah. Hydra. Spencer Kirkpatrick and uh, Wayne Bruce. That was a great rock band. Went down to Capricorn and just disappeared up somebody's ass. I don't know oh, what really? happened, but that was a great band that, out of here that just never could jump off. Is there anybody? Because you saw Steve, you know Stevie Ray, uh, those in those early opening for you. Um, and when you saw him, clearly you were like, "Wow, this, this is something you know, special. this is something special." Yeah. Who else can you think of that like really just something special that maybe did get somewhere? You know, I mean, Sean probably. Again, we talked about. For sure. Atlanta's always been a tough scene to crack out of. Yeah. It has been tough. Sugarland, you know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, come on. I mean, yeah. if it's not rap, that's about as it big is. as has come out of yeah. here. Well, Zach Sean Mullins. Zach Brown. Zach, Zach Brown. Yeah. yeah. Is he from here? Yeah. I know Coy is from here, but yeah. is Zach yeah. from here? I think was, yeah. yeah, lived up in Kennesaw. He used Did, to play uh, at the Dixie Tavern. Well, yeah, Coy, Coy and him. He ain't Coy making it on good school. looks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's something musical going on there. Bless his heart. And they're good, too. And Coy was, sounds great. We're not, we're not going to jump on that because <laughs> yeah. we might still want him as a guy. But, yeah, they went to high school together. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they got some cool tunes. Yeah. And well, yeah. I think they hooked up with Kid Rock. Is that what it is? Is that what their connection was? It really kicked them off. I, I don't know. They they used to be huge up at the was it the Dixie Tavern or yeah, Dixie Tavern? They did like their well. We heard it from. Uh, they were like Thursday nights or something at Dixie Tavern, and it just I give you they another did the one grassroots. Earlier. Another kinda, one earlier on. R and B singer from around town showed up in a country band. Travis Tritt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, wow. <laughs> he had, there's a guy who yeah yeah who found know. his niche. Well, yeah. He was an R and B singer, man. He he said country. That's the only that's the only game in town, and he was absolutely yeah. right. Shit. Well, yeah, we know a lot of bands that feel like, well, you know, <laughs> if you do the con- country thing, you'll be doing well. You know, even uh, well, there's this band Blackberry Smoke that that we've had. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them, and they're you know. They call themselves a southern rock band, yeah. but 
you know, you listen to their newest album, it's definitely country-tinged. And you they're know? pushing t- CMT, you know, yeah, all that stuff. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you yeah. who I'm admiring is the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Yeah. yeah. Just because I, they're playing these Americana festivals, which is right where that music belongs. Right. I mean, that Americana is not white music. Right. right. Americana is as much black music and ethnic music as anything else. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of got usurped. And I love it that they're in there slugging. Right. Saying, they're hey, cool this, this, is, this is what our culture was right. like. This is what we did. In the yeah. 20s and 30s. I actually heard about them first from my dad. Heard them on like NPR. Right. Right. And he uh, mentioned them to me and I checked them out and I really liked what they were doing. And I actually almost had them booked here too, but mm-hmm. it just was... Did, they were playing Athens, yeah. and they just didn't have the time. Well, Danny Dudek, Mudcat, and yeah. uh, Little Joe and Dom came in my studio, which is where I do a lot of my recording. And they cut five or six tracks. We're still listening to them. I think they got some stuff they might oh, be yeah? able to use. Yeah, and that Dom guy is fascinating. He's a really great player. Dom. Played, wow. Dom Fleming. He, yeah. He's the guy that – one of the three people in the Carolina In the Carolina Trop 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 Yeah, good player. You know, he's really locked into that 20s, 30s style, yeah. you know, that vaudeville-esque – and they use some Part cr- of blues. crazy instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just, plays bones right. yeah. and, and, and whistle and, you right. know, a, a lot of real ethnic Well, when cool. I remember um, when your album uh, Penny, Penny Candy? Penny Candy. Penny yeah. Candy came out. Um, it was very ragtimey sounding, you know, or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And was were you playing a lot of... I mean, almost the whole album is like that. Is it, I was I trying right? to write, and, and the way I started writing was try to play a Big Bill Brunsey song and okay. not even get close <laughs> yeah. and start making up some words. And that's where that album came from, basically, was trying right. to play like Brunsey or trying to play like John Hurt. Well, and I remember, and you weren't playing a lot of that type of stuff earlier than that. I mean, well, I went through that long period of R&B. I okay. was probably the first guy to ever record Take Me to the River. Besides oh, yeah. Al Green, I, re- yeah. I, I was I was performing that song within a week right. of that Explores Your Mind album coming out. I was huh. just absolutely obsessed with Al Green and still am. One yeah. of the most beautiful voices ever put in a man. Yeah. And talk about getting up high. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> high, low, wherever you want. <laughs> wherever it. Yeah. you want it. Yeah. 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 Lee Griffin recorded that on his uh, on yeah. his last album that he did. Yeah, and Delbert did and it Delbert, too. Yeah. I, the best cover of it's the David Byrne. Right, yes. talking, heads talking heads is heads, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, because he takes the song and he makes it this mysterious, yeah. scary yeah. sounding thing. It's yeah. Totally different. Totally different from my. Of course, you know me, idiot, growing up in the '80s. That's the first exposure yeah. I had right. to it. Yeah, me well, too. Yeah, but it's a great song, and yeah. it, you know that's yeah. the, the, well, the that one thing you know. about a great song is you can do it a lot of different ways. Yeah, and it always translates. Yeah, it, it, it translates, through, and yeah. it still comes through. And but I'd say I did the first cover of it. I was obsessed with it. I, wow. I did, in fact. Uh, I'm a Ram is one of the songs on the Roy Buchanan. On the Roy Buchanan album, yeah. And, uh, and Sean, Sean, did, Sean did it. Sean was doing it. It's so weird. Yeah. We heard the same stuff. Yeah. You know, it always well, that annoyed me. A lot. He was so much better at it than I <laughs> was, was what was annoying yeah. for me. But that we heard the same stuff and wanted to emulate it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It said a lot. Passes through a generation. Huh. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of cracks we haven't... Uh, delved wow, into yeah. and i mean we could probably go on all night but um you want to do another tune and then uh, yeah. we'll wrap it up and then we'll see you sometime in the future you're gonna play harp with me right uh maybe i'll do that for the bonus now come on man pull it out pull it out man yeah this, this is the one all this right is the one. what what uh what tune and what key or what key key of d <laughs> key of d
Well, I get lost and I can't find my way. Merely surviving from day to day until I get home back in my baby's arms. Well, I don't know which way to turn. This way or that way, I still get burned until I get home back in my baby's arms. Yeah, when I get found, I'm free from all care. Oh, I'm safe back from all harm. American version. Man, nice. I had a bad read. Uh-oh. That's a I good forgot this was the G harp that had the bad read. You hear that? You hear that? No there good. Go. All right. I'll so pull you it out play for the bonus in a, track. You play in, is it an open D tuning that you're playing in? No, it's just no? standard drop D. It is D. standard dro- oh, okay, drop D. Okay, drop D. Yeah, okay. just drawing this, dropping a low string. Gotcha, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Pantera do that? <laughs> a lot of heavy <laughs> bands do that, yeah. <laughs> It's a yeah. little different. It gives <laughs> little... you that little extra reach, you know. Yeah. So, sometimes it's, you know, I like it for D and A. Sometimes it's good for G. Depends on what you're playing. That tune's a good example of, you know, what you were talking about earlier, where some of these artists, uh, what was it, Mississippi, uh, John, John Hurt, Hurt yeah. that where it's really folk, you know, music. Because mm-hmm. um, you can really hear the guitar itself if you're just listening to it. Yeah, it's the one four five of blues that yeah. we know so well from blues, but... It's that folk style, yeah. you know, with the picking and stuff. It sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Got really fascinated with it. Well, cool, man. Awesome. All right. 
Well, this has been a well good done. Uh, good show. Alrighty then. It's been a good show. And Jim. I would I would say like let's uh, plug a specific show, but you've got a lot going on. So yeah, check out the web. But do you have the Monday? Specific? The Monday with Count Mabutu. Those okay. have been really fun. He's really yeah, so, well. What is that? It's Blind uh, Willies. Yeah. You know, he's off the road with uh, with uh, Derek and, Derek uh, you know, playing some around town. And it's yeah. been a ball. You know, we've both been around for a long time. Well, he used to play with Colonel, too, didn't he? Yeah, he really? played yeah. with Bruce for yeah. about five years. And uh, before that, Cy Timmons, you won't remember him. He was no. a big guy around town. Yeah, and, uh, yeah real musical kunga player. You know, so a lot of them are. You're doing one is. Monday a month at Willie's? Is that Typically. But then, of course, the trip to Europe sort of yeah. varies it to some extent. But we will be doing this coming Monday. And that's the day before my birthday. So come out and oh, say, it, yeah. say it with a gift. <laughs> right? Nice. Yeah, there you are. Come on out. It'll be a couple days after Brian's birthday. Too. That's right. It will be. It will be. <laughs> um, all right. So do th- And then uh, all of our people overseas... Check out Bill's website, yep. BillSheffield.com. He Definitely. will be playing your town if yeah, you live check him out. in Europe. <laughs> Somewhere. Hopefully your town. <laughs> right. You might have to drive six hours to see him. But I'm seeing lots of places, They do it over there though. sometimes. Yeah. You'd be surprised. They yeah. go a long way to hear some live music. Brussels, Holland. And then when you're back uh, here, do you have a regular? Dorset. Like a weekly or a semi-weekly or uh, anything like that? No. I tour down through Florida. Yeah. You know, and try to avoid playing Margaritaville as much <laughs> as I can. <laughs> and usually succeed. Yeah. You know, but I got a thing. I go down to Coco and cut across Sarasota. I used to live in Sarasota. So, yeah. You know, I've got things there. And, and then I come back up and have been doing Cedar Key, you know, yeah. a restaurant gig there. It's just a circle. You know, right. come back up, make enough money to survive. And right. then go back to Europe and make some folding money. Well, before we wrap it up, I, did, I do want to mention it. Bill yes. and I were talking before you showed up before. and before we started recording. Yes. Uh, just the um, unfortunate state of uh, venues to play in this town mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have some great places to play and, and probably for this type of music more than most towns. Yeah. But we're, we're losing Definitely some. This type, there's yeah. been some venues that have gone away. And uh, it seems like there's not that many places to hear this type of good music anymore. Well, we just lost what Darwin's. Is that what well, we're talking about? It's going officially, hear, unofficially. Yeah. Mudcats. I never did even get there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it went away I've before been, I ever yeah. made it. So my big my proclamation would be: you got a proclamation? Please go out and support and see live music. You have to do it. Yeah, you in know? all kinds of venues, you know. Because look, if you in don't, all kinds of music, bar owners are going to say, you know what, we could do better having trivia in here. Or or poker right. nights in karaoke here. or karaoke oh, exactly. So and you know that's the thing. You know people, you you got to explore it. You got to get out there and and explore it to know there's so much good stuff going on oh, yeah. just locally. It's not all about the big acts right. that are coming through town. You don't have to wait for that. You and know, guaranteed. You know, if you haven't been out for a while to see music, and then you know you go see a guy like Bill, yeah. or you go see any of our guys around town, you'll sit there and you'll be like, shit, why? Mm. Why am I not doing this all the time? Right, it's true. You know, why am I? I mean, Brian and I kind of have an excuse right now, but right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joe McGinnis—that's another guy we didn't. Yeah, mention. Oh, he's got yeah. a new album out that's just great. He covered one of yeah. my songs on it, which, as I said, oh, wait, is did just he do, always exhilarating. Did he do one of those that tune when he was in here too? He might have covered you too while yeah, he was in Joe, here. Joe's been in here twice. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think he may have played yeah, a couple of your tunes. Uh, well, he, he came he in. He does one for sure, and it's on the record. When we did yeah. the CD release, it was really gangbusters. Oh yeah, Oliver and him and you know, yeah. his powerhouse <laughs> band, and it was yeah. really, it was really fun. Yeah, I missed that night. Damn. Yeah, did you go down for that? No, I think I was playing that night. Where was I? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't keep tabs on me anymore. I don't. Huh. I don't this know is that what it's come to. Night. You have no idea what my schedule I have is. No idea. 
Uh, and he doesn't seem like he really cares. No. No, I not anymore. He does I always he used to care about me. I always care. I care about our gigs. No, about my. We haven't played together in a while. That's what I care about. We got to get playing together. Um, yeah, and uh, Bill says he wants us to cover one of his songs too. So, hey, oh yeah, I'm gonna right. listen. I might find something on here that Go you'll, that you'll I, cover. I, I, if I find something, you know, as a singer, you know what I'm saying. You got to yeah. feel something for a song. Yeah, you know, I don't want to do don't don't. force you into. Anything. I'm gonna cry if he doesn't feel anything for any of those songs. <laughs> all those songs I've written. <laughs> well, no, that doesn't mean like. I mean, no, there are I a know. lot of songs That's that I true, like right. that I won't sing. Right. But, you yeah. know, singing is a different thing than liking. It is. It is definitely. I won't sing a lot of James Brown. Can I do a little plug? Yeah. I don't know. Well, when's this coming out? Well, you're playing this Saturday too, right? No, I'm I'm off until Monday. Monday's not my gig. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking it easy. We're going to go down and see that Dolly thing. Yeah. And oh, nice. I want to see, you know, yeah. I don't want to The later that. years. Yeah. I Any gotta... of it. I'd like to see his work. And uh, Well, Brian has a big plug. I mean, this is good. Big no, plug. This is my... good stuff. I don't know if you know uh, this, Bill, but Brian plays in another band besides Ton of Hunting called uh, East Pond Soul Faction. You'd love it. Mm. Straight up. Uh, instrumental soul funk stuff. organ based instrumental mm. soul yeah, yeah. And, uh, and actually I really have Ira to thank for being in the band so um, but uh, so thank you yes but we have uh, we're playing Friday and Saturday night we have the great opportunity to play Smithsole Bar opening up for Ivan Neville's Dumpsta Funk nice. New Orleans style funk band wow, so uh, yeah, yeah so we're really excited about that Friday and, and Saturday Friday and Saturday and we also have our first CD which we oh, yeah. were trying to record, you know, at our drummer's place, you know, getting some tracks done. And then we ended up playing Grant Park Summer Shade Festival. And it was, we got board, a board recording board and it sounded pretty sounded good. good. And That's the one. I didn't <laughs> screw it up too much right. for anybody. And um, so we're just releasing that. And, uh, Instant we CD. Mastered it and, you know, put it, put it together. So Made in the Shade. And of course, of course, you brought copies here for me and Bill. I don't have copies Son yet. Son of a. I will have copies tomorrow. Huh. Um, after rehearsal But uh, yeah So we'll be selling those Five bucks You can go CD, CDbaby.com They're only five bucks? Five bucks How are you guys planning on Making any money in this uh, business? We are about getting music to Don't people. you understand Just like That we the were. quality of you your know. music Should not suffer <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow So yeah so If anybody's out there And wants to check out Some good funk And have a good time I and think go Friday see Ivan Neville. I mean, the guy's a legend. Absolutely, definitely, isn't he? Just a yes. good, just a good time. Yeah. He's a meters, legendary right? family, yeah, at yeah, least. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So let's uh, all right. let's all have fun. I bet he wishes back. he had Aaron's paycheck. Yeah, well, he does. <laughs> Can I borrow some? <laughs> <laughs> That's all family. They probably take care of each other. Like that. <laughs> well, you never know. Might be even worse. <laughs> Do you need money again? Right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here. This is episode forty-three. Three? 44. 44. 44. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right, Bill. 44. That's your number. That's, That's your number, number from now on. Uh, honored to have you. Great to be here. Thank you all. Um, Thank you yeah, both. thanks for coming. And I mean, you can come back anytime. Great to have you. You got a new record coming out or, or whatever you want to do. Anything you want to plug or just to come in and talk and Thank have you. a good time. Thank you. I will. I'll come back. We got plenty we can talk about. Yeah. Definitely. And if you're talking and it's not being recorded, it's a shame. It is a shame. And you know what you really need to do? I don't know if you're going to get... Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were going to get me right there. <laughs> Sometimes you've been screwing me lately. Yeah? So basically what you should do is... Save, save it for, for the, the show. show. <laughs>